Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode interlude of Seaweed Brain, uh, poorly planned by Carter and Erica. We are out of timeline order, <laughs> but we will be talking today about the Demigod Files to prepare for the arrival of a very special character in the House of Hades. You know what we're talking about. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hilarious that I thought that we'd be able to do the Demigod Files and the Demigod Diaries in one episode, forgetting that there is, like, oodles of content. There's a lot. We're fully going book. through around... Okay, that ebook is 200 pages. I don't know what that translates to in normal book terms, but... The free PDF It's I longer than we normally do. Pages. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the stories are pretty long, and they're also more or less there to just set up kind of important plot points or people or semi-person objects who are going to show up later yeah, on. Yeah, but mostly in The Last Olympian. Yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing specifically for The Last Olympian, but also for various events in The Heroes of Olympus. Um, I feel like we might get, not hate mail, but like, <laughs> I think we are exposing a bias here in that, like we said, that we are covering this now as a way of preempting a character who's going to show up, which obviously means that we don't care enough about Festus, I guess, to like... <laughs> the dragon is delightful. The dragon is delightful. It's also a mechanical dragon. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have dialogue. We're not robotics no. people. <laughs> Maybe you guessed that. If you don't remember, if you need a little memory jogger, if you didn't listen to the two and a half hour special from Floor 600 podcast featuring Fran, The Demigod Files is a little companion book that timeline order is between the Battle of the Labyrinth and the Last Olympian, taking place between the end of that summer and the start of the Last Olympian summer. Yes. It's got three short stories, a handful of interviews with different campers, and then some fun pictures. And by fun, I mean the horrible, terrible original Terrifying. Art. Oh my god. <laughs> Nightmare inducing. <laughs> Absolutely scariest image in all of humanity. And then like, crossword puzzles yes shout out to companion books i love companion books i love when <laughs> authors like fantastic Be you know that little dual set of fantastic beasts yes. and the quidditch through the ages that was my favorite yes. thing in the world iconic rabbity iconic also yeah tales of beetle the bard that one for me the tales of beetle the bard icon is i don't here. know how many like, people did speech in middle school but i did the story of babbity rabbity storytelling storytelling like multiple years in a row and i feel like that wasn't even allowed and yet i did it because <laughs> delightful like the lives of saints i'm very excited to read that the original timing of this also is something it's not just that a timeline order comes between battle of the labyrinth and last olympian it was also released in between these so this was in the peak of I feel like a lot of people we've talked to anecdotally have discovered the book in yes. between that period of time. And so this was really a thing that a lot of people were like, this is the first thing that's coming out as I am fully engaged with this. And it's also something that is tying me over. In the meantime, building anticipation yes. for the final book We have that series. hard copy. And it did so, so well. We all have got that hard copy. Yes. I don't even know if they we do absolutely have that hard copy. copies of these books. Because I ordered one of the Demigod files and it was hard copy. I don't know. There is also, we cannot forget about the ultimate guide, right? Isn't there an ultimate guide? Because it comes in a little blue flippy book with a magnetic cover. And they had little like game cards of all the characters with the horrible original yes. art. That one came out, I believe, after after Last Olympian. Oh, God. Can you hear that? Guys, the beautiful sounds city of character. New York City. Wow. Catch... Urban jungle, Catch me where living on the of. first floor. Okay. There's nothing you can do. Carter caught me listening to a playlist <laughs> called New York Songs <laughs> as I was driving into the city. And listen, it's not my fault. We, my dad and I were driving a moving truck across Lincoln Tunnel. No, you absolutely should. You absolutely listen, should. Like, what other way would Marquito you have done it? Marquito said, absolutely I correct. want to hear Frank Sinatra singing New York, New York. And I said, hold on, yeah, let me get it up true. for you. And not nary a seven minutes later, I got a harassment text from Carter Nakamoto. 
<laughs> calling me out for this New York Songs playlist. It was delightful. I wasn't calling you out. I said, wow, good. Look at you. I love that for you. What a, what a, what a musical soundtrack to your Nevertheless, life. Nevertheless, you know? I was embarrassed. And I live on the ground floor of a new apartment, so I'm sorry. <laughs> whatever noises you hear, I'll do my best to edit them out. But City of Dreams, it adds baby. the character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as such, many of these stories do take place in New York City. Clarification, Carter. Yes. This is something that tripped me up a few times as we were prepping for this because I would briefly look at the wiki to make sure that I was looking through the right things, maybe seeing if there was related content we should be looking at. And I made this mistake several times, but there are two books with very similar names. There are The Demigod Files, which came out between Battle of the Labyrinth and Last Olympian. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Three short stories, all that. But there are also The Demigod Diaries. And The Demigod Diaries, diaries, not files, came out between Son of Neptune and Mark of Athena and had all of this more Heroes of Olympus geared stuff. Although that one is, I'm going to say on the whole, Stranger, like that one is not timeline order between those two books. There's one story that is sort of in that time period, but there's also a story by Rick's son about characters who we never see before or after. There is a set of stories about Annabeth and Talia and Luke as children on the run on their way to camp as well. So it's just Lots of know, stuff. very different. It's very different, but the names are quite similar. The covers look kind of similar. We just want to make sure that we were all on the same page. And here. I think we're gonna do the, the demigod thing. diaries a couple episodes from now as a little also later. Break. It's also too late for us to do that. <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> sort of timeline. Um, I do apologize. This is our fault. But let's start right off the bat. We have this delightful little letter to the reader from Rick Riordan. It says, "Dear young demigod," explains what this book is gonna be. It's basically for us as demigods to get all this insider scoop and like exclusive interviews with Percy Jackson, son of Poseidon so that we can better survive our lives as demigods. It's absolutely adorable. He signs it himself as the senior scribe of Camp Half-Blood, which this was like, a, I feel like a big deal when he was a little bit more hands-on involved in the fandom. He was like, I'm the senior scribe, guys. I think it's still, it's either in his Twitter bio or something. I don't know. He was a senior scribe. <laughs> and I just want to point out that if Rick Riordan is canon in the Riordanverse, then we are also canon in the Riordan verse, because Rick Riordan retweeted us. And also, we Whoa. read Rick Riordan books. So Whoa. similarly to how every everyone is now canon in the MCU, I think that we are all canon in the Riordan verse. And I will not be taking logical arguments about that. <laughs> this is a proof that makes sense. I feel like it makes much more sense for us to be canon in the Riordan verse. That flows very well. Like the Thanos snap, that one's a little like, I don't know, did we all experience that? But like Riordan verse, 100% consistent. Wait, yes, you know, yes, the yes. books are directly addressed to the reader. So does that mean that we've been canon yes. all along? King Chronicles in particular, we know that King Chronicles shares a universe with Percy Jackson. And the King Chronicles are literally second person like it's not at the beginning oh i didn't want to be a half-blood blah 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 if you find this run away like the entire series of three books is just a series of tape recordings to you the audience while this is a tangent the point is that <laughs> we're included we're included we're included there's a letter to us we're all a part of this we're all in danger and then we kick off <laughs> with the first story which is percy jackson and the stolen chariot i don't know how deep we need to get into summarizing every beat of this story but it's delightful yes. if you haven't reread these in a while absolutely go back and reread them this one is about percy and clarice which is so sweet because i don't feel like we get enough of clarice at all especially in heroes of olympus we literally get zero zilch nada of clarice yeah. um which is fine you know we grow we age we let characters go but this is a little side adventure Clarice shows up in the middle of Percy's school day. Is he at Goud at this point? Yes. He's at the hip hipstery yes. school where Paul Blofist teaches. And she shows up on the Upper East Side and Percy fakes being sick to get out of class because lest we forget he is a edgy skater boy who's not cool and not a nerd either and he's on the outside of things but he knows how to stand up to bullies and also he knows <laughs> tricks and tips to get out of school. Like, you gotta say that you're gonna puke. <laughs> the magic word is not please. The magic word is puke. It will get you out of class faster that, than anything else. That's a great else. line. Yeah. <laughs> turns out Clarice is being tested by her dad. I think it's when the Aries children turn 15, right? Or is it 14? 15. It's a coming of age initiation modeled after, I believe, the Spartan tradition, where, as is noted in the Battle of the Labyrinth, um, adulthood, or, well, I guess specifically because it is gendered manhood, is um, something that comes when you're 15 and comes with also a set of trials and such. So that's what Clarice is going through. And they do note 
I think that there is a varying degree of acknowledgement across the series of like what are the gender dynamics of this like how do we think of Clarissa's relationship to her own gender and the relationship that her father has to her gender and in this story they do maybe not make it as explicit as we might read it to be as we go through this story but she does say a few times like yeah like it's, it's been a hot minute since another girl got to do this so the pressure is mm-hmm. higher and also like these brothers are being extra so her godly her. brothers yes. Phobos and Deimos who are fear and terror those two are famous because they are uh, also of course uh, the two moons of Mars I was going to say, they're not the little angry guys in accompanying Hades in the Hercules animation, right? Those are different. Wait, wait, I think they might be. I'm not. It's been so long since I've seen the Disney The dynamic is kind of the same. Um, I don't think these are the same ones. Maybe they are. But they are like messing with Clarice because they're awful, lame misogynists. And they try to like screw up this test for her. And Percy decides that he is going to help Clarice and they're going to go find the chariot. And that takes them on this wild journey across the, the <laughs> at, what river is it? I think it's like after they join, right? Because it's like further, it's in New York Harbor. I think that's how we describe it, right? I don't know. We're going to Staten Island. We're going to Staten Island. We're going to Staten Island, everybody. And we're all, nobody's pleased about this. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to go to Staten Island. Rick really, you know, he does a lot of New York references, but this is the one that feels the most, the way where no one will say outright, ew, gross, or anything. Like, he's just like, oh, like, where would two, like, dirtbaggy children (laughs) at the God of War (laughs) hide the chariot? Probably Staten Island. Like, where else would they go? The Staten Island Zoo, in particular. What a cursed place. For those who need reference, Pete Davidson is from Staten Island. He does this, one of his, you know, like, not to say anything nice about Pete Davidson, no no Pete Davidson stand-up or anything, but one of his better bits on SNL is the one where he goes on and he talks about his relationship to Staten Island, comparing himself to Conjo, to his also from Staten Island. We're talking too much about these white men, but (laughs) I I do feel like I got a better sense for, like, oh, that's how it is. one of the most vile (laughs) women I know is from Staten Island, and therefore vile place. She'll never listen to my podcast, but... I know some very nice people from Staten Island, but they also, um, you know, I think we're on the same page about the way it is as a place. <laughs> anyway, Rick, Rick is like, okay, we're on the Upper East Side. We're going to hop a train to Times Square, and then we're going to catch the number one downtown toward Ferry Terminal. He knows. He, he knew. Know, he, I mean, he looked at a map. Accurate. The number one train does take you to the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. It does. At the I double checked. And then we're on the ferry. Okay. Pause, 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 pause. Embar- embarrassing tidbit about myself. I ride hard for the Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> I don't. We should ride it when you're here. It's free. We should. No, I literally, I would like to because it is free. And also I love oceans. I love sort of vaguely brackish water areas. Spider-Man where it's Homecoming. like a tributary of rivers. Spider-Man Homecoming. That's an iconic scene. I was a, you know, had a strong middle school Billy Joel phase. Not, I mean, I still sometimes, you know, but like. Everybody Loves You Now has a specific reference to him being like, I am on the Staten Island Ferry when I have this emotion about like coming to terms with my, I don't know, (laughs) evolving relationships to people and the fact that I'm ultimately alone in the world. Well, we love the Staten Island Ferry. I love the Staten Island Ferry and it's free. (laughs) No one wants to go to Staten Island, but we all want to ride the Staten Island Ferry. We'll ride it and we'll take a pic for y'all. Last time I was there, I did the ferry and then you immediately ride it back. Exactly. (laughs) You don't leave the ferry terminal. do like an instagram live and we like vlog about riding the staten island ferry no one would watch it um maybe we'll do it no anyway. one would watch it but we would have fun <laughs> um, so yeah there's a little tidbit percy thinking about annabeth i hesitate to even read it because the other Percybeth moments we're getting in these other stories are like kind there's of god tier but he thinks about the statue <laughs> of liberty and how annabeth told him that it was designed to look like a theme architectural tidbits yeah because like a son of Aww. athena built it sure too cute i guess it's very cute. He's like, oh, her egghead facts rub off on me. Yeah, you're listening. You're listening to her. You don't know what it means, but <laughs> you're listening to every word. So yeah, no, but really, let's remember that this book came before Spider-Man Homecoming's iconic Staten Island fairy fight scene. Dun, dun, dun. You can't see the motion. I'm making the motion where his arms are spread out and he's holding the entire boat together, which of course is itself, I, I mean, we're going to say it, probably a reference to this book, but also probably a reference to Spider-Man 2 of the original Tobey Maguire trilogy, right? Where he's like on the train, he's like doing the similar thing where he's holding it up. 
I think probably Tom Do Holland. We not think so? I think probably Tom Holland read the Demigod Files and like advocated to write the scene into the movie himself go. because he wanted to pay homage to Mr. Percy Jackson. Tom Holland. Tom Holland would read this. Tom Holland's one of us. You know. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He. Mm, we're, let's just, we're let's name it. We're on the Tom, same Tom, same Tom page, same Zendaya, team. That's a bisexual couple right there. <laughs> Call it Percy F. Call it what it is. <laughs> Are we allowed all right, to say that? All right. Those are real people. Those are real people. Tom, it's okay. Come home. We're all, we're all friends here. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> come home. Spider-Man homecoming, please come home. It's okay. Um, I think if it's not in a, like, I want to date this person kind of way, but, like, more in just, like, a, you know, we're all friends here. They fight a sea monster. Percy, yet again, epic power-up. He, like, basically splits the brackish water, walks across it like Moses, essentially. Just some delightful power-ups before the last yes. Olympian when he becomes, you know, extremely powerful. And then he just casually takes them the rest of the way. He's like, they, they get attacked on the boat, right? And then Percy decides after that, okay, we can't put the rest of these people in the ferry in danger. So he just like zooms them himself across the water to Staten Island. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Very good. <laughs> I'd never spent much time on Staten Island, Percy says, and I found it was a lot bigger than I thought and not much fun to walk. Let them know, Rick. Let them know. And then there's a fight at the zoo. Phobos being the Final fear battle. god makes them see things that they fear, and Percy sees his vision of, I guess, what he's been fearing about the Great Pop- Prophecy, this whole thing that Percy's going to have to make a choice, he thinks, that will preserve or raise yes. Olympus. Of course, that's not really what ends up happening. And then it is, of course, resolved by the fish yelling at him because he is a fish celebrity. <laughs> It's nice to be a celebrity to um, I love that for us. <laughs> it turns out that um, both of these two sons of Aries are like bad at fighting. And the only thing that they can do is show people scary visions. So that's Percy's scary vision. Clarice's scary vision is just her dad. Facing um, physical abuse afraid. from her father. Yes. Which we can only yeah, assume has happened before. We hate this man. Terrible, dangerous, violent. Despise him. Is there anything else that we're going to mention? Percy fights them and he says, you're going to disappear now. You're going to stay out of Clarice's way. And if I see you again, I'm going to give you a bigger scar in a much more painful place. Absolutely, he's Percy. He's talking about his penis. penis. Yeah, he's threatening to cut off this minor god's penis. And that <laughs> is Percy Jackson for you. And then Percy and Clarice, they're like, wait, we can't bring the chariot onto the Staten Island Ferry. It doesn't accept cars. And Percy's like, I have a solution for that. Let's just ride it across the top. Wait, literally, does it not accept cars? I think it does because Can we get a fact Spider-Man, check on that? I think it does accept cars. I remember- In Spider-Man, there are cars falling out. Yeah. Maybe things have changed since 2009. I feel um, like I also saw cars drive onto the Staten Island Ferry when I whatever wrote it okay shut up <laughs> whatever it's a good excuse for Percy to level up again and discover that he can ride vehicles across the top of water as well this is something he, he can turns do. the water into solid he's like Jesus Jesus there's another oh no that one's not Jesus that one's Moses I'm confusing my um he did both biblical things um, he did both cool he did both biblical things magical watery <laughs> biblical things in this one short story that's my Percy Jackson. He, they, they they show up at the Intrepid. Clarissa's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. See my dad time. And then they're like, oh, are we friends? And then they sort of say that they're friends. Kind of. It's sweet. Really. I love it. It's sweet. It's good enough. They arrive at Pier 86 as the sunset is fading to purple. Oh, Manhattan. Mm, Rick. Gorgeous. That's that. Enough <laughs> of that. Enough. There's so much more to sure talk sweet. about. The pacing in this really, we should say, it's just like, it's just zooming by. Like, just do, 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 done. I love short stories, and I love that Rick gave We love stories. it. <laughs> okay, next. Bronze Dragon time. Yes. So the setup for this is that it is the end of June, summer before the war. This is right after the Battle of the Labyrinth. Fairly quickly after the Battle of the Labyrinth, I think, because that also happened in June. <laughs> we're, we're playing Capture the Flag. And, but the setup for this is that it's weird. It's not normal Capture the Flag, because Athena and Ares are in the same side. Whoa, dun dun dun. And Hephaestus is one of the two teams. Hephaestus stole the flag from Ares last time. So now it's Percy on team Hephaestus against Athena, Ares, and Aphrodite. Interestingly, they do this whole hype thing where they're like, oh my god, Athena and Ares in the same team? Wow, how how scary and dramatic. But then we like never see or hear from any Ares people during the course of this nope. capture the flag game that takes place for the entire story. That's fine. We're going to be focusing on instead Percy and Beckendorf on one team and then Selena and Annabeth on the other team. Period. Because Double date. You know, double day. It's giving like vaguely, I don't know, Greece energy. Is that the right reference for this? Boys versus girls. I think maybe what you Boys mean to say, girls. Carter, is Teen Beach Movie. <laughs> oh wait, no, but Teen Beach Movie is not Boys versus. I'm sorry, I've it's never like, seen it. <laughs> it is. It is all of them. Teen Beach Movie is West Side Story and Greece and 
Also, the Beach Boys, I guess, like, simultaneously all of them without skipping any plot details from any of them. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, we're gonna have to do some readings from this. Our first reading comes from sort of the beginning. Annabeth is not somebody you want as an enemy. Right before the game, she strolled up to me. Hey, seaweed brain. Will you stop calling me that? She knows I hate that name, mostly because I never have a good comeback. It's the titular role. <laughs> She's the daughter of Athena, which doesn't give me a lot of ammunition. I mean, owlhead and wise girl are kind of lame insults. Call yourself out, Rick. She bumped me with her shoulder, which I guess was supposed to be friendly, but she was wearing full Greek armor, so it kind of hurt. Her gray eyes sparkled in her helmet. Her blonde ponytail curled around one shoulder. It was kind of hard to look cute in combat armor, but Annabeth pulled it off. Tell you what, she lowered her voice. We're going to crush you tonight, but if you pick a safe position, like right flank, for instance, I'll make sure you don't get pulverized too much. Gee, thanks, I said, but I'm playing to win. She smiled. See you on the battlefield. She jogged back to her teammates, who all laughed and gave her high fives. I'd never seen her so happy. Like, the chance to beat me up was the best thing that had ever happened to her. (laughs) Beckendorf walked up with his helmet under his arm. She likes you, man. Sure, I muttered. She likes me for target practice. Nah, they always do that. A girl starts trying to kill you, you know she's into you. Makes a lot of sense. Beckendorf shrugged. I know about these things. You gotta ask her after the fireworks. I couldn't tell if he was serious. Beckendorf was lead counselor for for Hephaestus. He was this huge dude with a permanent scowl, muscles like a pro ball player, and hands callous from working in the forges. He just turned 18 and was on his way to NYU in the fall. Since he was older, I usually listened to him about stuff, but the idea of asking Annabeth to the 4th of July fireworks down at the beach, like the biggest dating event of the summer, Made my stomach do somersaults. Wait, that means that during the Lost Olympiad, he had his freshman year at NYU. Wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. Wait, he was wait, already wait, a freshman wait, wait, wait. in college. Whoa. Whoa. You're right. Well, good for him. He had freshman year. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, rest in peace, Charles Beckendorf. We love him so much. We love him so much. <laughs> do not send me hate mail for that. They also mentioned in Bella's Labyrinth a line about how the 4th of July fireworks happened that summer. And then didn't actually describe what had happened. So I guess we lied earlier. This is technically not um, between the Battle of the Labyrinth and the Last Olivia. This is kind of during the Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah, timeline is sketchy. Doesn't really matter. All all you need to know is that Persimeth is not official yet by any means. And absolutely not. This is absolutely some of the most not. self-aware. Actually, it's the most self-aware we're getting from Percy's this POV about his own feelings. Talks to us about it. Yeah, yes. until this point. Yes, 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 yes. At this point, Beckendorf is just given his advice, but of course, the the gag on this is that Beckendorf has not taken his own advice. That's a Kalani lyric. Uh, he, um, he's not, he and Selena are not official yet, and they're also sort of doing a simultaneous, like, uh, 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 flirting, like, well, they won't they, like, blah, blah, blah. They're into each other. I feel like the actual plot of this um, story is a little bit complicated on purpose. It's pretty complex what happens during this game. Yeah. Do we want to get into it? I don't think we really need to. We don't need a lot of detail. But they assemble upon a bronze dragon head. There's some metal-eating ants. We run into Annabeth and Selina, and we have to save Beckendorf from the fire-eating ants and build this mysterious bronze dragon that supposedly once protected the camp before Mm -hmm. Talia became a tree. Good for you. You look happy Mm -hmm. and healthy. Not me. I'm a tree. That's an (laughs) Easter egg for the other people who listen to... I was going to say special episodes, but it's not because we forced that into a normal episode. Yes, we absolutely Like champions. Um, But yeah. uh, And of course, they do succeed in resurrecting this dragon and rescuing Charlie. But there's a bunch of wonderful moments of dialogue as it happens. So we're going to run through them. This is not that important. (laughs) I don't really want to talk about it. Um, Annabeth has a moment of being like, I've read about the Myrmeges. <laughs> I've read about them. They paralyze their prey <laughs> so they can soften them up before. And it's just the most Hermione moment that Annabeth ever has. And it's a little bit violent. Um, and I just... <laughs> it's so much. She doesn't cite her sources normally. Like She just like has information and we just trust her. And that's how I like it. Is there anything else devil we have to say snare, about this? Devil snare. It's worth noting as well that, of course, all of this is happening while the game is still going on. Like, Annabeth and Selena technically took Percy and Beckendorf prisoner, and then Percy was like, hold up, like, you need to, we need to put this on pause because Beckendorf is about to be eaten by gigantic ants. And she was like, I, I guess. <laughs> In exchange, we will be reading before we fix the dragon. Percy, isn't your mom the goddess of inventors? Annabeth. Yes, but this is different. I'm good with ideas, not mechanics. Percy, if I was going to pick one person in the world to reattach my head, I'd pick you. Selena. Aw, Percy, that is so sweet. 
Annabeth, shut up, Selena. Hand me your dagger. Aww, the flirting is so cute and awkward. Literally, it, like, the way it's written is, like, Percy, like, does not think twice about this. He's just, like, duh. But also, like, who wouldn't want Annabeth to reattach their head? But also, like, it is cute. And- no, but this is so cute because think about the way that all of the campers were, like, finally, when Percybeth finally <laughs> kissed. And Selena was standing here yeah. watching this exchange, like, you guys, you love each other. Except Selena didn't get to see them get together because she Stop. betrayed the camp and then died. <laughs> that is so sad. I'm I'm sure she she got a sense for it from the underworld maybe nico popped over and he was like oh uh selena did you know that my my man is dating annabeth and selena was like oh that's really cute and nico was like i guess Head <laughs> 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 it didn't even occur to me that both selena and charlie are dead wait what how did th- what do you mean that did not occur to you like, like- <laughs> i think about their deaths as individual occurrences and not as like this iconic couple is very dead Oh no, it's like, a, it's like a whole thing, right? Where like Nico's like, I saw Beckendorf down there. He like made the other thing, but he's like waiting for somebody. Oh, Which also, yeah. I believe Robert recently made a meme about this that was based on, I'm not going to remember which podcast it was, but one of the other podcasts recently did an episode about this and they were like, wait, hold on a second. Did Beckendorf know something? Like what the fuck is up with did that? Did he know um, that Selena would, no, he was going to wait for her, about her to whole die. life. Either way, shout out to Robert, shout out to the other podcast, um, Queens. Um, Some of y'all listen yes, to all of um, them, so you'll know which one it was. Annabeth fixes the dragon, and Selena leads it into battle to go save Charlie. The dragon's about to get annihilated, and then Beckendorf is like, no, we will rescue it. They sort of rescue the dragon, it goes haywire, chases them. Beckendorf, like, pulls a bunch of shit out of the dragon so that it doesn't work anymore, and that's basically where we leave the dragon. It's broken in the forest uh? because it went haywire. Uh? Oh, uh, and then we sort of just leave it there, I guess. Sounds like another bronze use. dragon. Dun, we dun, know. dun. I'm gonna be real with you. I did not put those pieces together. I think that the lost hero was so jarring for me that I didn't make the connection between this story and that one. It's okay. We can't win them all. <laughs> and then, of course, we make a sharp turn into coupledom again. Yes. So we're we're gonna tune back in now. <laughs> I can read this. Yes. One. But so Beckendorf like jumps onto the dragon, yanks a bunch like after he does this thing, Selena's like, Wow, Charlie, you are so brave. And Beckendorf is like, Okay, if I'm so brave, then like, how about you go on a date with me? Hey. She says yes. They're they're gonna go see the fireworks. And that's history. That's history. Percy says, I leaned against Annabeth and she helped me limp through the woods. Beckendorf and Selena walked ahead of us, holding hands, and we gave them some space. Watching them with my arm around Annabeth for support, I felt pretty comfortable. I silently cursed Beckendorf for being so brave, and I don't mean for facing the dragon. After three years, he'd finally gotten the courage to ask Selena Beauregard out. It wasn't fair. You know, Annabeth said as we struggled along, it wasn't the bravest thing I've ever seen. I blinked. Had she been reading my thoughts? Um, what do you mean? Annabeth gripped my wrist as we stumbled through a shallow creek. You stood up to the dragon so Beckendorf would have his chance to jump. Now that was brave. Or pretty stupid. Percy, you're a brave guy, she said. Just take the compliment. I swear, is it so hard? We locked eyes. Our faces were like two inches apart. My chest felt a little funny, like my heart was was trying to do jumping jacks. So, I said, I guess Selena and Charlie are going to the fireworks together. I guess so, Annabeth agreed. Yeah, I said, um, about that. I don't know what I would have said, but just then, three of Annabeth's siblings from the Athena cabin burst out of the bushes with their swords drawn. When they saw us, they broke into grins. Annabeth, one of them said. Good job, let's get these two to jail. I stared at him. The game's not over? Mind you, it's been hours at this point. Um, The Athena camper laughed. Not yet, but soon, now that we've captured you. Dude, come on, Beckendorf protested. We got sidetracked, there was a dragon, and the whole anthill was attacking us. Uh Uh-huh, said another Athena guy, clearly unimpressed. Annabeth, great job distracting them. Worked out perfectly. You want us to take them from here? Annabeth pulled away from me. I thought for sure she was going to give us a free walk back to the border, but she drew her dagger and pointed it at me with a smile. Nah, she said. Selena and I can get this. Come on, prisoners. Move it. I stared at her, stunned. You planned this? You planned this whole thing just to keep us out of the game? Percy, seriously... How could I have planned it? The dragons? The ants? You think I could have figured all of that out ahead of time? It didn't seem likely, but this was Annabeth. There was no telling with her. Then she exchanged glances with Selena, and I could tell they were trying not to laugh. You, you little, I started to say, but I couldn't think of a name strong enough to call her. 
I protested all the way to the jail, and so did Beckendorf. It was totally unfair to be treated like prisoners after all we'd been through. But Annabeth just smiled and put us in jail. As she was heading back to the front line, she turned and winked. See you at the fireworks? She didn't even wait for my answer before darting off into the woods. I looked at Beckendorf. Did she just... ask me out? He shrugged, completely disgusted. Who knows with girls? Give me a haywire dragon any day. So we sat together and waited while the girls won the game. That's history. That's <laughs> literature. Let's. I had such a great time reading that. <laughs> I was so indulgent. That. It's so. It's so directly like I, this is what these these companion works are there to do. It's just like fan service. You know, like you do exactly what it's you like have to do. Reading like reading fanfic you know, that Rick wrote about his own characters. <laughs> That's exactly, oh my god, that's exactly what it is. The whole, like, oh, like, faces two inches apart. The way that the dialogue is written, I don't think we need to add commentary. I guess my only question is, how was this going on and Percy was still, like, seeing Rachel? Like, you know what I mean? The messiness of being 15. (sighs) It's so (sighs) much. I think that's the reason why it feels kind of like fanfic, because, like, Rick doesn't let us rest from (laughs) basically all through Battle of the Labyrinth and for Last Olympian. He felt like, oh, I have to keep up the tension. And so there was not, I mean, there are some nice moments, but there is not like a good day even. Like the the longest they have is like a few minutes of just being nice and having a good relationship for those whole two books. Rick is not letting us rest because Rick was not resting either. He was writing a book a year, okay? He had shit to do. He had things to get done. He had plots to move along. Oh my God. Even if it doesn't totally, like, 100% maybe jive with the other things, it's worth it. It's worth it. With her asking him and leaving him in jail and winning the game, absolutely. Annabeth kissed him first. Annabeth asked him out first. Let's clarify all of these things. This segues us into the interview portion. Yes. We'll breeze through some of these. (laughs) Okay, Connor and Travis Stoll recreated uh, the beginning of the Trojan War for fun in a way that reads as incredibly toxic and misogynistic but also a little bit funny and we were waiting for that reference i guess golden mango thrown into the aphrodite cabin sure why not we get an interview from clarice (laughs) basically they ask a whole question that was i believe the question is who do you hate the most and instead of saying i mean i guess there was this whole short story we just read about her making up and her relationship with percy but the person she names is michael Yu, who i don't think we have technically met yet no he's new. it's just a foreshadow for um the last olympian this like minor skirmish <laughs> sure why not but then we have yeah. annabeth and then we have annabeth yes Eep. the voice in all of these interviews is fairly strong but the annabeth voice is so so delightful he was ready. so nice being with someone he was ready he was ready he knew what it was going to sound like Th- these interview questions like she's giving these long rambling answers and the way that she does it feels so good so right so natural this is the first time we've heard her talk without percy around without percy around in her own voice like like the questions for all these interviews are supposed to be tailored to like what they would want to talk about so the first question is like what would you build a camp half blood it really just warmed me and she didn't me. say a school See, the way that they wrote this she response? didn't say a library she didn't say an olympic sized swimming pool she said a temple that is also a center for the arts and she gave all these details about what she wanted it to look like. It's so nice to, to see this, to feel her voice being so perfect, to feel this enthusiasm that is intellectual, but not like... Annoying. Boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just because she's like a person with thoughts and interests and mental faculty doesn't mean that they all need to be the same and that she just has to carry on a large book with her all the time to like meet all these things because of course she's not going to she's dyslexic there's other ways for her to like gain information you know like although we do get a snapshot of her trunk later and it's clear that she does carry a large book with her all the time and it's a book on i mean also that both and um what breaks my heart is how she says i would love to build this but kyron said we'd have to sell like a bajillion strawberries in order to build that which has me thinking are you telling me Camp Half-Blood is not fully funded by Olympus? We knew that. That was canon. <laughs> no, but we were praising Camp Half-Blood for the way that it like offers free food and housing for these demigod kids. But thinking about how the gods can even give like a little grant, like a little donation to the demigods to build none other than a temple to worship them in. Not even a donation. Like literally... Money is fake. Artificial scarcity, as any number Death of theorists to Western would say. Civilization, yes, I think. it's very true. Yeah. 
I'm just going to throw this out there. If anyone is interested in more about artificial scarcity, every month, basically, I rewatch this. Um, I believe it is South by Southwest interview that um, AOC gives about um, the future of work in America. And it's so excellent. She has this whole answer about the historical end to capitalism that is so delicious, juicy. Oh, anyway. We will link it in our show notes. I walked past AOC's <laughs> apartment the other day. It was really exciting. Oh my god! (laughs) How exciting! It was really exciting. Anyway. Anyway. The next question that they ask is, who's the wisest of the gods other than Athena? (laughs) And her answer, quote, the thing is, the Olympians aren't exactly known for wisdom. And I mean that with the greatest possible respect. They're all dumb. She's right and she should say it. (laughs) It's true. And then she's like, but Artemis. Yeah, she goes through that. This is like genuinely, it's so interesting to read because like you get this like snapshot into a way that she thinks about like what is valuable and like what are what other is ways of thinking about intellect what is wisdom like what does it mean to be like a smart person in a way that like annabeth can respect she gives these like little answers about like like unity and like like the ability to like achieve cooperation and team building is a form of wisdom the idea that like trickery is a form of wisdom the idea that intellectual integrity is a form of wisdom it's also juicy and interesting but like of course she would think these things but it's like cool to see her like articulate these things although although my good sis <laughs> she ends by saying, quote, Artemis doesn't understand guys, though. I guess nobody's perfect. In 2010, the year of our Lord, this was the mood, but. <laughs> it's okay. We say, I feel like we're constantly on this. We're always saying this. I'm sure Annabeth had a good college experience is all I think we need to say about that. I also think we just need a reading. I'm sorry. The last two answers are just so, so well written. They're about Percy. Um, they're about Percy but uh, I was gonna ask you to read this I'm glad you automatically volunteered yourself all right question of all your camp half-blood friends who would you most like to have with you in a battle Annabeth oh Percy no contest I mean sure he can be annoying but he's dependable he's brave and he's a good fighter normally as long as I'm telling him what to do he wins in a fight question you've been known to call Percy seaweed brain from time to time what's his most annoying quality Annabeth (laughs) Well, I don't call him that because he's so bright, do I? I mean, he's not <laughs> dumb. He's, he's actually pretty intelligent, but he acts so dumb sometimes. I wonder if he does it just to annoy me. The guy has a lot going for him. He's courageous. He's got a sense of humor. He's good looking, but don't you dare tell him I said that. Oh my god. Where was I? Oh yeah, he's got a lot going for him, but he's just so obtuse. That's the word. I mean, he doesn't really see obvious stuff. Like the way people feel, even when you're giving him hints and being totally blatant. What? No, I'm not talking about anyone or anything in particular. I'm just making a general statement. Why does everyone always think, yeah, forget it. LOL. <laughs> I am, I just, LOL. Queen. Again, again, the way that everyone at camp is just waiting for it. And they are so blinded by their own walls that they think that nobody else is thinking it. It is so cute. It's just the cutest thing ever. It's so adorable. Also get from this very much, you know, maybe she's still confused about Luke, but she does seem like certainly more than Percy to be like in touch with her feelings. And like she is doing what she thinks she should be doing to like put things out and that it's his fault. She 100% thinks it's his fault. And it is. right, I think. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, it is. To be clear, it is his fault. I think our he, listeners he will agree. He needs to sort some things out. He needs to find some focus in his life. He needs to figure out that sometimes girls just want to become oracles and not. Mm-hmm. He needs to <laughs> hot take throw the moon lace out of his apartment that is sitting in his window oh, garden. Oh, period. He should get rid oh, of that. Oh, period. Oh, period. Throw we're that gonna, shit out. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. Unfortunately. Well, the next interview is Grover. Naturalism. John Muir. Oh, my God. Tin cans. Literally, the final question is about how tin cans are delicious. This is what we expected, but also the fact that Grover's interview is situated after Annabeth's angers me it upsets me it pisses me off because it seems like rick is still very much trying to lean into the whole we've had to draw an unfortunate number of comparisons to that other book series in this but it's only because of the way that this is being written and presented we're like this is incredible ron weasley energy of what is he bringing to the table is he more relevant to the plot no is he more relevant to like this person's emotional journey no why are we doing this it's because of a weird sense that of course the closest and most important relationship in their life has to be like the male friend because he knew him first or like 
It doesn't make sense. I don't even know. Like, it's just irritating. I completely agree. I I feel like Rick gets over this as we move on. But the fact that we're still doing this is, like, truly so inexplicable, tropey, irritating. I would have loved for Rick to ask more about, like, so Grover, what's your stance on climate change? Do you have thoughts about the way we can address this in policy? (laughs) Grover, do you feel like a climate tax or cap and trade is more effective as a policy intervention? Or are you in favor of large-scale infrastructure investments? Although you probably would not have been because that was not in the policy discourse in 2008. Um, he would have been like Al Gore uh. maybe Grover's like such a radical environmentalist that he's like oh like the two party system is incapable which I mean tea yeah (laughs) okay and then we get to the interview with Percy son of Poseidon this isn't frankly that exciting for me given that like we absolutely know what Percy's voice sounds like and he's always talking about whatever he wants to talk about he gives this detailed description of what he looks forward to when he returns to Camp Hathla and it's all these people doing these things that we know that we would do and it's very like all like ladybird attention to detail. It's super sweet. One of the questions is about um, like what weapon he would rather have than Reptide. This is an answer that truly like loomed large in my elementary school head for so long. His response is like, oh, like I might do a suit of armor that could like turn into clothes because like armor is terrible. It's disgusting. It's so inconvenient. It's so heavy. It makes you sweaty. It's gross. I hate everything about it. But like, yeah, that's the second choice. <laughs> and as a child, I was like, damn, is this what the cool kids are doing? Like, do, do, do I need to become like aloof and standoffish and like criticize things that I'm interested in as a way of marking myself as like a thoughtful and measured person who's on the margins of um, that which is mainstream. You just explained so much about yourself in middle school, Carter. Oh my god, the insight I just gained. (laughs) It wasn't just this. I mean, like, you know, like middle school was the era of Avril Lavigne. It was the era of Kurt Hummel. We need to stop talking. We need to, we need to quit podcasting. Um. <laughs> you wrote in our notes, this last part is very sweet. The very last question is about advice for kids who suspect they may be demigods too. And let's reiterate, you know, not to hit the nail on the head here, but Rick wrote these books for a very specific reason. He wrote them for a specific kid in mind, specifically his own kids and kids he knew from teaching. And Percy talks a lot, especially in the original series, about being a kid who gets bullied and that he learned how to stand up for himself from a young age and the question is any advice for kids who suspect they may be demigods too and percy says pray you are wrong seriously this may sound fun to read about but it is bad news if you do think you're a demigod find a satyr fast you can usually spot them at any school they laugh weird and they eat anything they might walk funny because they're trying to hide their hooves inside their feet find your school satyr and get his help you need to make it to camp half blood right away but again you do not want to be a demigod do not try this at home. Which, of course, not to pretend that our readers have, I mean, you know, you're all smart, cool people. But like, for children, like the read between the lines in this is supposed to be like, if you feel like you are special, like you should like, like make friends with the nerds. Like, yeah, with the other special kids. Perfect like... thing for Percy, our cool, overpowered, scared boy to say. It's a little on the nose, but like, it's enough not on the nose that I can read this. this and for be ages like, 8 to no 12. No good. <laughs> this is the thing that like, I feel like an 8 to 12 year old could read and genuinely be like, oh, like this is... Like, this is not someone talking down to me. This is not, like, just schmaltz. This is, I don't know, like, maybe I should, like, go, like, find some weirdos. And I think it worked. Yes. It really, I feel like it's As an 8 to 12 year old, I think this worked on me. I think it worked on a lot of us <laughs> who remain adults who have, like, found internet friends who used to love Percy Jackson. Like, I, I think it, it absolutely stuck with us. It's good advice. Find satyrs. Yes. <laughs> and then from there. We get the devastating fan art. I want to shout out specifically, lowest places on both of these are um, Athena, who is drawn perhaps in like an Egyptian style where it looks like her head is wrong. Um, And also like her neck is a triangle. Um, I have so many questions about this. It doesn't make any sense. But of course... Iconic, looming large in everyone's nightmares is the drawing of Percy Jackson. <laughs> what? Scariest the thing I've fuck ever seen. What was going on here? It's terrifying. He was rocking a middle the part. Lighting and the shading is looking like like a Baroque era painting. Like there's so much <laughs> weird ass shadow across his face and like dappled, multicolored, dark background. You know, like... you know Poot Lovato? Remember Poot Lovato? <laughs> this is Pootsie Jackson. <laughs> Erica, that's going to get us canceled. Why is it going to get us canceled? 
There's so much negativity in the world. Sometimes we have to rise above. No one's a bigger Demi Lovato stan than I am. And I Do you remember when Demi Lovato We love Demi Lovato, but also like Demi Lovato like spoken publicly several times about how much they hate Poot Lovato. Like full stop. Like does not see it as a joke. Poot Lovato is terrible. Poot Lovato if I ruined my Demi life. Lovato, I would just have to jump out a window. Demi is everything. Let's be clear. I'm sorry, yes. Demi. I really hope you wouldn't just ruin your your, your shot of being friends with My Demi. My future fa- shot of being friends with Demi Lovato. I want this for you. Demi, you're our absolute Maybe they're king. listening. Maybe they're listening. Demi, if you're listening, I love your new album, but also please make more rock music. Thank you. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, there's also a map. I feel like this is something I thought about a lot. I felt like I was deprived of this in the earlier Percy Jackson books. Where the fuck were our maps? Yep. Where is Agreed. our understanding of where in America we are? Where is the Camp Half-Blood? I wanted like a map of everything. Like Princess Andromeda, why do we not still to this day have like an official Princess Andromeda map? That doesn't make any sense to me. For the reprint, something to consider <laughs> for, for the many, many, many executives and publishing people who are listening right now alongside Debbie Lovato. <laughs> 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 but but this map is cute. This map is cute and we need it. And finally, we get... Sort of Hades. This is the reason why we're here. I mean, obviously we cared about the Persebeth moments. Like, we did read so much about yeah, that. Yeah, it goes against our code to say that this is the most important short story. But it kind of is. It's not the best written short story. The best written short story is... Bronze Dragon. Bronze Dragon. Hands down. Generally, like, the pacing is the best. The twist at most the end. Most dialogue that's nice. Twist at the end. But, of course, plot reasons, like, the whole reason why we are doing this at this point is for the Sword of Hades. So, dun-dun-dun, we are, we're back in school with Percy. There's something about the way that school was, like, such a small part of the original books that, like, made me kind of sad. Because I do feel like, I feel like you need both. I think the really, truly iconic works of fantasy sci-fi that are for people who are still in school, like, your character should be in school for parts of that. That's what makes it interesting, relatable, fun. I'm going to do a Bleach shout out here for exactly no one, but that's the reason why Bleach is the greatest because half the time they're just in school chilling and like wearing uniforms and or crop tops when they're just like chilling in Tokyo as fun teens. This is the same energy that we get here. When Aang has to go to that Fire Nation school and like doesn't know the Fire Nation national anthem, it's one of the best episodes. That's one of the best episodes. Like you need both. Like you need the adventure in the weird world. Literally Joseph Campbell, not to know Joseph Campbell, but like he was right about that. Like you, you, you need both. This is a cute scene. He's in school with an um, English teacher named Dr. Boring, which, haha, very good. But also, like, do you feel like there are people who read Percy Jackson who, like, don't love their English teachers? Like, I don't... <gasps> That's a good point. <laughs> That's a very good point. I guess Percy probably would not, but, like... Shout out to Mrs. Burnett in seventh grade, the only English teacher I have ever had beef with because she was trying to make <laughs> it... as a wedding planner full-time. She was trying to make it as a full-time wedding planner. And she was, up, at least, you know, to give her credit, she was upfront with us about that. She oh didn't want to be there. Shout out the other English teachers, though. There have been some good ones who are not listening to this right now, but who we really appreciate. Should we say names? I want to say names. Cheryl, Cheryl Dare. Dare. <laughs> M. Thomas Gamarino. <laughs> Keller, who is also fully famous. Nora Keller, who wrote Comfort Woman and then Fox Girl. And then her daughter, Tay, won the Newbery Medal this year. Yes. For excellence Icons. in children's literature. When You Trap a Tiger. Go read that book if you like reading middle of grade books, which you probably do because you're listening to our podcast. Anyway, <laughs> we love our English teachers. <laughs> um, 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 okay, so Mrs. O'Leary shows up, drags Percy out of school. They think it's a poodle. Very good. Percy and Talia and Nico basically all get dragged to the same place. It's sort of cute. Wow, look at this. And then Percy immediately is like, wow, we are the children of the big three. Sure, go off. Know your worth. Know about... Social structures of power. We're all thinking it. They're all thinking it too. It's textual. Um, This really is one of those moments where I felt like as a reader, like I thought about a lot, the whole like power scales, completing the collections, those types of things. This short story for me looms large just because of this. absolutely. I completely agree. We do not get- We needed this. Yeah. Like we deserve to see the three of them together. Even in the book where Nico gets introduced, we don't get to hang out with Tali and Nico and Percy because of course Nico stays behind at Camp Half-Blood for the quest. Oh, that's true. But they do like meet a little bit. There are like a few, I guess, technically scenes of the three of them together, but not really. But they don't do- They don't go on any adventures. So this is really exciting. It's exciting for a lot of- It's not just like the kids of the big three thing. Like I feel like we say them in the same breath. Do you know what I mean? Like- Personality-wise, archetypally, there's a lot of overlap. We do want to see these people together. We want to see grunge queen Talia, lesbian grunge queen Talia, with 
a mean bisexual, Iconic. an even meaner lesbian, and Nico. And Nico. <laughs> Punk rock. <laughs> Every friend group must have. Punk rock gay he day. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, also, like, both and, like, as much as we are a person about podcast, we care more about friendships. And yes! that's what we get it's into about friendship. Story. It's about queer camaraderie, sisterhood. That's something we can count on. That's what we're saying here. The Sword of Hades is a short story about sisterhood. It's a short story about sisterhood. So <laughs> with that, they all show up here, ground falls out, and they meet Persephone, who has assembled them for a quest. I believe this is the first time we meet Persephone. She has a job for them that she says is from Hades, but he's too busy. There's a lot of interesting descriptive details about Persephone, which I guess we can allow because they kind of serve the plot. There's a lot of stuff about how she's like withered and pale, but beautiful. I'm a, I feel a little gross about reading this, but also like, sure, like it does make sense. Descriptions, she looks bitter, like she's an old photograph of springtime. Um, she has this like really, I don't know what to do with this line where she says, quote, Hades is my husband and master young one i would do anything for him not the best take stream hades town for a better take on <laughs> hades and persephone i do literally feel like a shitty person all the time because of not knowing hades town <laughs> makes me feel so culturally inadequate but i'm gonna remedy that i have to stream the album more closely i like... stream all three albums oh because from before the concept album yes yes, 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 yes. Yeah. okay the tiny desk is something that i have watched all the way through very exciting as well as the tony's performance even though Blizzard. I was there! Isn't that fun? Wait, you were at the Tonys? At the Tonys. Wait, I think yeah. I did know this. That summer. Wow. It's not that exciting, you guys. They have student tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out the imagery about this. Persephone's handmaidens are dead people wearing yellow dresses with daisy and hemlock wreaths. Mm. That's an image. Daisy and hemlock in the wreath. That's gorgeous. Witchy. That's giving vaguely Shakespearean reference. Persephone has made a sword for Hades that's like sort of on par with the Helm of Darkness. It's super powerful. It lets the wielder bring people back from the dead or kill them with just a touch. It's super intense. It's lost. We have to go find it. Talia also, like Talia and Nico are so rude to her this whole time. <laughs> Nico <laughs> is rude because they're family, but Talia just like her response to hearing that the sword is gone is, quote, you allowed the blade to be stolen? How stupid was that? Cronus probably has it now. <laughs> That's a queen. Listen, this is what we wanted the big three all together for. Just like absolute sass, no Heroes boundaries. of queer negativity, queer impertinence. The way that they like unfortunately don't feel consequences in many ways because they are the most powerful kids and they're all so angry about it all the time. <laughs> for real, that might be like my favorite moment of this when like they're all like fucking shitting on Persephone together. <laughs> Because they're right. Like, literally, this is bullshit. And, like, they should be mad. But we're on the quest. Persephone gives him this guide flower that's also cute. It's like a potted plant that Persis is just holding the whole time. Love that for him. The first real stop is that they go to see Sisyphus. Can we say that this is canon? It is the same as the Disney movies in the sense of, like, Sisyphus is... Sisyphus is a queen. We all know Sisyphus it. Sisyphus is an old queen, which is a term that was hammered into me by one of my acting teachers, my department chair in musical theater. One of his favorite terms is old queen. Like, that is an old queen. Every Disney villain is an old queen. Is an old queen. Think Scar, Scar Ursula. etc. Sisyphus is an old queen here, and it's a story about sisterhood. <laughs> <laughs> Nico literally, Nico starts calling him sissy. That's such a... I love that for all of us. You, listener, join us in also just calling random people in your life sissy for no apparent reason. Not because their name is Sisyphus, but just because we all deserve it. And we're sissy. all, you know, we're in this together. We're all sisters in struggle. You know, being your girls is a state of mind. Um, anyway, Sisyphus has info for them. Sisyphus saw the thief too. Sisyphus gave the thief directions that Sisyphus is now sharing with them. Anything else we want to note about this? Oh, Sisyphus also tells us the thief is Ethan. They have one eye. First of all, we all love Ethan Nakamura. Yes, icon. Yonsei King. Yonsei King. Second of all, <laughs> I love that it's Ethan because it very, very, very easily could have been Luke. And it just that wasn't. That would have been boring. The richness, the richness that this lends to the story that Ethan gets in Last Olympian is very important. And also just more Ethan. I think it points out how well the antagonists are fleshed out in Percy Jackson. <laughs> not only is there Kronos, not only is there Luke Castellan, there's also Ethan Nakamura. Yeah, Minos, kind of Daedalus, like- Compey. Compey, <laughs> well, 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 kind of, I don't know. Compey's kind of like a, she's not a lot she of dialogue. Kelly. Kelly, 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 no, that's a queen. Kind of, not really. Kelly doesn't support other women, but, um... Oh, yeah, Talia tries rolling with a boulder up the hill. We get this delightful little mini-metaphor about addiction. Hooked on uh, ambrosia, perhaps? Um, I don't... Um, <laughs> Found in that ambrosia. 
uh, in the hunter's tents. <laughs> we encounter the these spirits mm. of pestilence or something. And they're like flying woman demon monsters because there are like 30 million different varieties of those in Greek mythology. Aren't we all? I self-identify as a flying woman demon monster. <laughs> when somebody asks me what my godly parent is, I'm a flying woman demon monster. <laughs> but like there's such a variety. Like do you identify more as like a Karius, like a harpy? Or like a, one of the Furies. I see myself mostly as a Fury, I think. That's my energy more than a harpy I, I see myself as the one where if you cut them they unleash a curse upon you that's your own fault anyway yes 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 <laughs> yes 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 iconic um, <laughs> this is the moment where like it's back to back like the three of them facing outwards taking on the demons i love it so many of the fight scenes in the series don't do that much for me but this one really does because i care about these people <laughs> We're moving. Like, this part kind of comes and goes really quickly. Nico sees the wound. He's like, okay, like, they're dressing it together. And Nico's like, you're going to need a god to look at that or else you're going to die. Um, they get to the River Leith. Yes, which, of course, as you may remember, forces you to forget everything. Wipes your mind before Good you sentence. are reborn. Wow. I used Ooh. opposites in the same sentence. How powerful. <laughs> wow, Am I Did you go to Harvard? Literature? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's hard. But- <laughs> So Percy, 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 Percy. We weren't sure, right? Because this is, it's a river of the underworld. Like, how's this going to react? Boop. Percy just... Parts the Red Sea. Parts the Red Sea. He pushes it up. Nico and Talio. Nico and Talio. Nika and Talio walk (laughs) across the river. Stroll on through to the other side. But Percy's like, I can't hold it while I walk myself across. Because, of course, he's also deathly injured at this point. So what he does is he lets the river crash down on top of him. And his only thought is dry. Dry. And he maintains this little dry bubble around himself because we know, and as we were reminded in the first short story, he never gets wet unless he wants to. Yes, it's like as is clarified for us in Mark of Athena, the primary way of having a human breathe underwater is with a thin layer of oxygen that would potentially land on fire if you were Leo. <laughs> Thank you for that world building tidbit. And then they see the ghost goddess. Ghost goddess Melioni. Talia sees her dead mom, which is, you know, a little bit of a foreshadow to, of course, Jason Grace's also the same dead mom. Yes. And then Nico sees his dead mom, which makes a queen little bit less sense. Icon. Because that, that she's, a, she's a queen. She seems like fine and very at peace with her life. Percy, on the other hand, does not see anybody because he says, I don't have any ghosts. I've made my peace with everybody. And that really, I don't know if I truly believe that about Percy at this point, I guess, because we had this whole Bianca arc in Battle of the Labyrinth where he's feeling guilty and then they talk it out. But go off. No, like, this is a good moment. This is aspirational. I think this is such a sassy moment from Rick because not five seconds from now is Percy going to make a new ghost. Percy's about to do one of the worst things he's ever done. Whoa, that's real. This that really is, about to come is back to haunt him. This is this is the line that we're drawing between like not no consequences but like between the resolved and the unresolved. After that, the ghosts are gone, but Melioni is like, uh, jokes on you, everything bad's still going to happen and then we of course come across Ethan with the recently broken free Titan, Yavitus, who is still, you know, regaining his old strength, powering himself back up. He's only 10 feet now, which is small for a Titan. And Yavitus is is upset. He's like, oh, we're going to fight now. Percy wins. Percy wins. We we get like a, like, even though Percy's super severely injured, like, Nico summons some, like, you know, dead people to go take on Ethan. So it's like a 3v1. Like, we get all of these people taking on Yavitus. I'm a little irritated by the way that this fight went down. I had very high expectations for this, and I do not feel satiated. It was pretty quick. It was pretty quick, which, like, I get for pacing-wise, but also, like, I don't feel, like... I witnessed Nico or Talia doing the things that I would like to believe that they can do. Oh, and it ends up just being agree. sort of like Percy taking over, doing what he has to do, which For is sure. like, we love Percy. We we think that he's very powerful. We think he's more powerful than the other two, but also like, come on. like No offense, you guys. Percy's the most powerful demigod I've ever met. <gasps> but also like, I want to see Talia do things. I want to see her have power. It hurts me. Um, I wanted to make a note of this. Yavitas aggressively gets Ethan's last name wrong. And this... Nawaka. Not not that like we need to see lots of literature depicting like people of color having microaggressions and various other forms of like bad things and violences happen to them from from powerful white figures written by white authors. But also, it's weird to me that this doesn't happen more. <laughs> this should be one of the forms of disrespect that Ethan experiences from exactly. lots of people all around. Exactly. The Titans, 
And the gods. I think it's a Peter Johnson, like, call out as opposed to a, of course the Olympian gods are going to mispronounce all their children of color's names. Do you think that these people are going to learn to look up a name that is Japanese, that is in Thai? No, absolutely not. No, they're not. I felt very seen by this experience. Particularly, not the least, because people often, often think that my last name is Nakamura. <laughs> we can move on from that. It's not. It's not. That's not my last name. There's sort of a scene here that mirrors, of course, um, the scene with Artemis and Atlas. Where Percy also, like, he mentions Atlas, like, textually, because, of course, Atlas is Iapetus' son. And he's like, okay, like, come, charge at me. And then instead of just fighting them normally, they, like, both do the same motion, literally, where they grab the spear that is meant to impale them, like, plunge it into the ground, and then, like, tumble backwards to trap them somehow under some sort of, like, powerful magical thing that can like take on titans in atlas's case of course it was the sky but in the case of iapetus it means that they're going to dive together into the river leth which percy can survive as we found out but iapetus done mind wiped and wow 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 this is a moment this is a moment they come back to shore percy says what's going on percy says you're my friend i blurted out you're bob that seemed to please him greatly. I am your friend Bob. Say it with me now. So random. random. Oh my XD god. Like being named Bob? Do you Bob think Bob is like a dinosaur, mustache? Ako Taco, Sofa King, Tokidoki, oh and. I genuinely wonder who will understand these references. Tokidoki, that one was just for us. <laughs> no, you can't tell me people in the mainland didn't rock Tokidoki. Is that true? I feel like it's certainly true. We'll find out. You can let we'll us know. We'll find out. <laughs> but also, like, not everyone who listens to this is old like us. I don't know. <laughs> this is just going to confuse The majority people. of our age group is 18 to 22. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Okay. I'm about to yeah. not be 18 to 22 anymore. <laughs> That's really awkward for you. That's really awkward Carter's for me. That's me. not random. Carter's really That's old. just sad. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan runs off and they just kind of let him go. And Percy insists. Polly's about to shoot him in the back. And Percy's like, no spare him that's part important. of that richness important totally um, important um, 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 um okay and then with that we're done with this we we won the battle we got the sword Du-du-du. we're back to the palace hades gets his sword and turns out he didn't know about this the whole time it was a plot from persephone who wanted to give hades more power this would have been very bad because it would have turned the other olympians against him and we know that at the start of the last olympian hades isn't like necessarily on good terms as far as showing up to the battle of the manhattan yes and of course, mm, 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 the trio of impertinence. More awful. <laughs> let's beat up Persephone with our sassiness. She says to Nico, if your friends do not hold their tongues, I will cut them out. You're welcome, says Percy. <laughs> uh, and then he literally threatens to throw Persephone herself <laughs> yes. into the river. <laughs> they like point at Yapitos and they're like, it works. You want it that? works. You know, he, he was pretty powerful. Do you want to you go for a tussle? Do you ever just threaten a goddess? Because he does all the time. Oh, God. I love this. I love this energy. I love when they're just so disrespectful to people who don't deserve respect. <laughs> Period. How did you feel about this as like a plot device, though? Truly, like, I personally, like, the first time I read this, I was like, okay, I guess. And I feel even more that way now, where it's like, why, why did we do this? Why did you feel the need to have this detail about, like, the deception? Oh, like, the sword? I don't really care. I don't really know, to be honest. I, I It's yeah. not a big deal to me. It's kind of weird. It, we need an excuse to go to the underworld. We're otherwise quite efficient, so. so it's fine. Yes, okay. We're gonna do a brief reading from Nico. Nico says, I'll watch him. He's harmless now. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we can retrain him to do some good. Are you sure you want to stay here, I asked? Persephone will make your life miserable. I have to, he insisted. I have to get close to my dad. He needs a better advisor. That makes me really sad. But also, we knew. We we knew that, like, this is Nico's whole thing. He's not like the other girls. He doesn't fit in even more than everybody else. And also, he's right. He has, he has a lot of obligations. He, like, as we find out, it is true that Hades is irresponsible and everyone around him is also irresponsible. And they need... They need Nico's vaguely Greta Thunberg energy of like, you have wronged me. You are wronging me and you cannot continue to wrong me. But also this makes me really sad because Nico's like, "Mm, okay, I guess I'm just going to take care of this Titan and like live in an abusive household and like not have friends my own age. Also be in the closet and like. (laughs) (sighs) He also shakes hands with both of them as they're about to leave. I love it. 
I love it, but also, like, I girl, think that these three girl, kids would shake hands. Girl. I don't think Talia has time for hugs, let's be clear. The only person she hugs is Annabeth. You don't feel like Talia and Percy hug after the, after Listen, the cheeseburgers? I don't think Talia likes Percy that much. I think that she absolutely tolerates him. Their work colleagues? Well, she likes him because she knows Annabeth likes him. Oh, oh, I see. We're getting more, like... You're, you're my girl's guy. I am very familiar with that as a as a, as a form of interaction. Aren't we so Aren't familiar we all... with that as a form of interaction? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Is there anything else that we have to say about this? Oh, Nico also, because we need, we need, we need to have so much foreshadowing at every turn in this book. Um, Nico also was like, did you think about the offer I made to you? Because Nico makes an offer at the end of the Battle of Labyrinth when he shows up and announces mm-hmm. Percy's birthday party. But we still don't yep. know what it is. But we're still thinking about it. Day. And we need to be reminded that Nico is persistent and that he thinks that this is very important. But it's scary and we still don't know what it is. So we have another cliffhanger. And that's... That's it. Almost the end. Percy, tell me, go and get cheeseburgers. And then there is a crossword. And a word search. <laughs> and a word search. And the first chapter of The Last Olympian. And then we come to a close. Very importantly, The Last Olympian. Because, of course, that is probably half the reason that everybody bought this. Right? Like, you had to get it. Yeah. We're ready to move on with the House of Hades now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to be extra crystal clear about where we left off with the Apatos, or Bob now, Nico sort of volunteers, but also no one else steps up to take care of Bob the Titan and retrain him to be good. They just reduced him to an infantile state. We don't know what Bob knows how to do. We don't know if Bob knows how to like use a microwave. Yes. Somebody has to be there for him. Yes. Nico takes the responsibility, of course. It is worth living with this as something that like no one else takes responsibility for and it's very much like a form of violence that is done upon him. Like it's played off sort of as a joke at this point, right? But we're gonna think about that. We are we're absolutely gonna think about it more in the next episode. That. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And again, our sincerest apologies that we mistimed this so badly. <laughs> sincerest we apologies, but also about the Percibeth moments. In another way, it's perfect timing. Yeah. Would we have cared about the Bob story earlier? Less so. Now we're really ready. And I do want to shout out to every single one of our listeners who has relentlessly DM'd us on all social media platforms and sent us messages on our website we don't check about how we need to cover these stories. Because it was necessary. We did need to. And we did enjoy it. Yeah. I had a great time reading Rick's fanfic about his own writing. Well, join us. I don't want to say next week because I don't know when it'll come out but join us very soon for our next episode where we will do house of hades part three and cover leo's point of view and percy's point of view with a special guest see you next time